Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. My name is Nate Antetomaso. I am here with Evan Knowles. We are coming at you live from downtown Lexington, Kentucky. We had to do it this week. The biggest story in tech is Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg testified in front of Congress. We give you our take and a lot of thoughts about the company in general. Stay tuned. Don't miss it. Alright guys, once again, welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. My name is Nate Antetomaso, here with Evan Knowles. What's going on? Uh, today we are going to talk about some Facebook. I feel like we have to talk about Facebook yeah. today. I think we waited just to get some facts, just to see how it all played out. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good time to go back and talk about what happened and what's you know happened on last week with the hearing. Yeah, for sure. It, it was all over the news. Um, it's probably the biggest story in technology right now, so we're going to dive deep into it. Before we do that, though, just want to remind you to get involved with us online. Follow us on all social media at Middle Tech Pod. Uh, that's on Facebook, on Instagram, both Facebook platforms there, um, but also on Twitter if you're on the hashtag delete Facebook trend. Um, or you could email us. Email us any thoughts about this topic or any other topics, anything you might want to talk about, or if you disagree and want to put in your own point. We're going to sh- start sharing some uh, some feedback here on the podcast. So that is middletechpodcast at gmail.com for email and at middletechpod on all social platforms. So um, t- before we kind of start to talk about what happened last week, I think we need to give a little bit of background into how we got to this point. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Uh, so it's all kind of stemmed from from one big incident, and that was the Cambridge Analytica incident. Yeah, I probably heard that name before. Yeah, so it basically came out uh, that they were collecting personal data of about 87 million users in the United States, and so the majority. It was, of I think US it was adults, 50 million at first. Yeah, and it, then it got re-reported. To it got upped. Yep. Yeah. And so that's the majority of U.S. adults. They claim all of them, uh, but. That 87 is made up of mostly adults. Mm-hmm. And so the way they got that data uh, was Alexander Kogan uh, built an app called uh, This Is Your Digital Life. And basically, it was just survey questions. Uh, and it was an app that uh, was used to collect that data by getting authentication into your Facebook you know, profile. So they would be able to track your likes, all your friends, and your friends' likes. Mm-hmm. So it's a really powerful way to collect a lot of data at once and at the time facebook allowed for that yeah it was just it was kind of marketed and branded as just a game right it was like a personality quiz yep to my understanding Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then so they took that information from the personality quiz as well as the data when you gave it access yeah to really create a profile on you yeah and and your friends so yeah that's the big they had access to you and your friends and so it was basically exponential growth Mm -hmm. uh whenever one person downloaded the app they'd get hundreds of other people's data. Yeah. Uh, so that's how they got those 87 million people's personal that's data. insane. Which is wild. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can talk about what Facebook has done since, mm-hmm. and they're you know, making improvements, but it's, it's scary that at one time uh, that was possible. Yeah. So that was, I believe, in 2014, right, that that happened? Yeah, yeah. That that or that's when the, you, that's when Facebook first, you know, really yeah. realized what was going on, and when the the app "This Is Your Digital Life" came out. Um, I believe Mark Zuckerberg said in 2015 they found out that they were using the data in ways that they didn't 
put in their terms of service. They didn't Got tell it. Facebook were against Facebook's terms of service. Um, and they kind of, they shut off their access and, uh, Zuckerberg keeps using the, the word of like, we certified that they had deleted the data, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, they said that they did. Alexander Kogan said that he did delete the data. It was certified and that was the yeah. end of that story. Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit more about the data itself that they collected. Yeah. Cause it's really interesting kind of what they collected and how they used it. Uh, and so basically what they collected was. Uh, they were able to see what you were liking on your profile. They were able to see your interests, uh, things of that nature. You know, normally everybody has access to you know people's demographic data, but stuff like that uh, is kind of it's harder to come by. And so they used all of that to create psychographic profiles. Mm-hmm. And so psychographic profiles are basically your personality and who you really are uh, at a you know very personal level. Yeah. And so they're creating profiles using that data based on what you're liking what your friends are liking, what you're reading, and stuff like that. It's demographics of your mind. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Didn't, uh, I think when we were doing research, we came across a video that was explaining if they had data just on 10 things that you liked, they would know you better than your colleagues. Yeah. And then it went up to, you know, if they have 30 likes, uh, they knew you better than uh, your parents, Mm -hmm. I believe it was. And then if they had uh, three, if they were able to track, you know, I think it was 300 of your likes, they knew you better than your than your uh, partner. That's that's crazy. So it's the power of that data. You know, mm-hmm. once you step back and use that big data uh, to you know read people, it's, it's really powerful. Mm-hmm. And so they would turn around and use that data in marketing campaigns. Yeah. For lots of different companies, but the one that's really been focused on uh, is is Trump's campaign. Yep. So it's you know really interesting because they were taking those psychographics and catering uh, Trump's ads. And tailoring those ads to certain people and their personalities. Yep. One thing that I came across. So, well, before we get into that, I mean, there's been varying reports on how involved the Trump campaign was with Cambridge Analytica um, that was using Alexander Kogan's data. Um, but Steve Bannon was an advisor to the company. Yeah. Uh, but that's official. He's on the board. He's on the board. That's known. Um, but there, there's varying reports of different people. Um, from the campaign, got involved with the company, met with the, the CEO of the company, and so yeah. on. Steve Bannon is the campaign manager. Yeah. 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 So, the, I mean, that's official, but then they said they didn't use them. Yeah. Um, and I guess we're trying not to make this too political, but they deny that the campaign had any official relationship with the company, but then there's reports that they did. And if they did, they were able to completely, obviously, use Facebook ads um, mm-hmm. and other social ads to target these people. But it also influenced the the physical campaign. Yeah. Um, yeah why don't you go more into that? Yeah. There's one thing I came across um, was that they would use the information of psychographics, um, live information, to determine um, his campaign trail. So an example that it gave if that is that if people in Pennsylvania were talking about immigration a lot, um, they would put a speaking gig for Trump in Pennsylvania, and he would give a immigration-focused speech. Wow. And then, obviously, the statistics of the election um, that we can go back and check, you know, everyone knows, is that it was it was very um, influenced by just, in the grand scheme of things, a handful of votes, you know, just a few thousand votes yeah. in different swing states. So when you think about he knew that he needed to give this kind of speech in this area, that could influence, over time, a few thousand votes, therefore the election. Yeah, and it's really interesting because 
there's this whole idea of you know trending topics and being really relative, and that's what the news is trying to become. That's why Twitter is so successful. Um, and so the fact that Trump knew in real time what people are talking about, where they were, and their psychographics, that's really powerful stuff to, like you said, go in the middle of Pennsylvania and know that this little con- a county in, in Pennsylvania was talking about a specific subject because there was a news happening in the middle of that county and people are talking about it. And he goes and talks about that exact subject in real time. That's really powerful because he just won that entire county based on their emotions in real time. Yeah. Just because he had that psychographic Because yeah, people are much more emotional in the moment and they're, you know, talking about certain subjects and it's just, it's very powerful. It's yeah. really interesting. So that's that's kind of the background um, that, you know, the, the data came from Facebook and then it was retargeted to users on Facebook and it could have even um, influenced the entire election. So that's how we got to today or to last week, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so last week, Mark Zuckerberg appeared in front of Congress on, on two consecutive days. The first day he appeared in front of a, a Senate committee um, and or on the first day in front of the Senate, the second day in front of mm-hmm. um, the House of Representatives. Yeah. One thing that really came out of that um, th- those hearings is a concern on my part, honestly, of how much the government or lawmakers, how much lawmakers in the government understand technology. Because based on the way, <laughs> based on the way that he, some senators and some representatives talked to him, it really seemed like they didn't. They didn't understand. It was very clear. I mean, that's not a question. They don't know about tech. Yeah. It's not a question. They knew very, seemed to know very little. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure they had advisors that were, you know, talking to them, but in real time in the questioning, the way they were talking, the terms they were using, they personally knew very little about technology. Yep. Their teams might. They, They didn't know. And there was, there was very little follow-up questioning, which I think displays it perfectly. They had questions written out that either advisors or their team, their staffers, whoever wrote. But they couldn't have a conversation. They couldn't no. challenge yeah. him. No. No shot. Um, and so we, we pulled together some statistics here. The average age of Congress people is 60. Yeah. Um, so which, Facebook, you know, only it's been around and since they were in their, in their 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, and according to the Congressional Research Service, out of 541 Congress people, that's both the Senate and the House of Representatives combined, only 18 have a background in engineering or computer science. That's 3%. Yeah. 3%. It's not good. So obviously you don't need to have a background in computer science to understand technology, but it's a pretty good indicator. And the number that fully understands it is probably not much bigger than 3%. Yeah. Um. When you have people asking if you can email on WhatsApp, yes, it's not okay. Yeah, use those terms. Can you? Can I send an email that is tracked on WhatsApp? Yeah. Obviously, you don't use the term email on WhatsApp. Um, one sen- Senator Tom Tillis, uh, his questioning included, I'm a proud member of Facebook. I just got a post from my sister that this is National Siblings Day. It's just a weird comment. Yeah. You know, it's... you. you it's hear basically them, him trying to sound relevant, you know, because... Yeah. Because he knows, you know, if you look at him, he he's not going to know much about technology. So he's just trying to connect with the audience. Yeah, and you hear you hear them saying, "Oh, I love sharing pictures. I like my grandson's pictures on Facebook." You know. Yeah. And one person even asked, "Oh, how do you make money if it's free?" Well, that's what the whole thing is about. That's the purpose of Facebook. I mean, the purpose of Facebook is to connect as many people as possible, and you can't do that with a paid service. Yeah, and of course, the user is the product, mm-hmm. and I yep. believe most. I don't want to say competent. I think that's the wrong word. Most people who fully understand the service 
know that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's the basics of. I mean, television uh, is similar. You know, you pay uh, you pay cable, you, know, you mm-hmm. pay your cable bills, but the content you're watching uh, is there because it's supported by ads. You know, yeah, a lot of these big networks wouldn't be around if they didn't have the advertisement mm-hmm. that they're that they're putting in between their their segments. Yeah, for it, it is the same thing, but. Of course, it can just be much more targeted advertising, yeah. um, which is what the whole issue is. But th- that that struck me, and I guess I, I kind of want to get your opinion on that in a higher level. Is that concerning to you that these lawmakers, these people that create the rules that we live by in this country, just seemingly don't get it? Yeah, it's 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 very concerning because you know technology is in everything we do. Yeah, every part of our life is is somewhat dictated by the technology we have in front of us mm-hmm. and you know the senators and the congress people and the people in government are there to protect to protect us and the future of war the future of you know terrorism all these different things is technology that's so true that's there, a really good way to look at they're it. there to you know create the laws that dictate our everyday lives which is most of the technology but they're also there to protect us mm-hmm. with those laws and if they don't know what the technology is underneath all of our daily decisions mm-hmm. and there's terrorists that do there's people, bad actors that do, then they can't protect us. That's a really good way to look at it. I don't even think of that. See, I, I was thinking of it on the on the level of, you know, their constituents use this technology every day and are impacted by it every yeah. day. Um, and so that obviously has its own set of challenges right there. But the, the terrorists and the, you know, the threat level of it as well, like you yeah. just mentioned, is also super interesting. Yeah, totally. How do you effectively create policies if you don't understand what the threat is. I mean, that's why they have advisor teams. But at the same time, if the actual person in government who's making those decisions had that background to yeah. make quicker decisions, you know, it'd be yeah. a lot more effective. You don't, you don't they, vote for an advisor. You vote for the no, 100% the person. Right. Yeah. So. And they, they assemble teams to do that for them. But at the same time, they themselves need to know that stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you have, here's one thing that bothers me about, you know, the government and especially the, the House representative and the Senate is that they don't have term limits. Yeah, that's really bothers. That really bothers me because somebody you know can go their entire uh, career in government, mm-hmm. and that could span you know thirty years. Mm-hmm. And in that thirty year time frame, the the technology changes so much, and if they're not you know willing to keep up on it, yeah. then they can still be there. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not judged on the fact that they don't know enough about technology and can be voted out. Yeah. Well, then I, I guess we, we could circle back with another argument because then you could argue, oh, well, the, the people would just vote them out if that was a big enough issue. But then you could think, oh, well, what if this technology influences the election and they're not voted out? Yeah. That That's a whole nother part of this is they don't understand the technology that impacts elections, which is how they keep their job. Yeah. It's yeah, so like, it should be such some... a personal issue to yeah, them. Might see some you know turnover here soon. For that, but they have teams that you know are doing that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm but sure still, Trump but, doesn't know a whole lot about Facebook ads. That's true, but if they they need to under. I don't know. I just I guess I don't get the the mentality of oh the team can handle all of it. Like you have to understand. Yeah. On some level. Yeah, you do. On some basic level, what's going on, and not knowing how Facebook makes money, that's not even understanding the basic level. Yeah. That's, no, that's just really ignorance. Bad. That's just ignorance. Yeah. Well, let's go over a couple other things that they were saying. Yeah. Uh, one was. You know, uh, Dick Durbin asked him, Zuckerberg, a good question, uh, if he's comfortable sharing where he's staying, what hotel he's staying yeah. <laughs> that night, uh, which if you're Mark Zuckerberg, you can't do that for security reasons because everybody, mm-hmm. you know, you're one of the most powerful people on the planet. 
people can't know where you're staying. So he obviously said no. Yeah. Uh, but he asked that to make a point because users are sharing their location on Facebook all the time, mm-hmm. whether they, you know, they opt into it, but they don't opt in necessarily, you know, a very knowing way mm-hmm. or they do it because it's just, you know, simple and it's forced in front of them and, and Facebook knows yeah. how to get them to say, yeah, take my data. And they get restaurant recommendations if they share their location. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Facebook incentivizes them to, to do that. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, hard for people not to. Yeah. But it's just, you know, to make a point. And I think the way that the senator did it was really interesting. He, like, he asked them and, and Zuck was laughing and said, no, I don't want to share that. And they just said, well, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I was, so he got them there. I mean, yeah. Facebook, uh, Zuckerberg laughed, but it was not a funny laugh. It was an no. I'm, I'm uncomfortable uh, I get what you're saying, laugh. Yeah, and then he just kind of looked away. Yeah. It's a great clip. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of you know really funny clips and, and memes that came out of it. Mm-hmm. And then, But one question, I think, can open a whole new point of discussion, um, and that was from Lindsey Graham. Yeah. The, the question out if, if Facebook was a monopoly. And Zuckerberg didn't really answer it well, I don't think. No, I mean, uh, it's a tough question to answer if you're, if you're Facebook. Well, you don't uh, want to say yes, obviously. Yeah, because you don't. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, a lot of people can look at them and think, yeah, they're definitely a monopoly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way he answered it, I, Lindsey Graham asked, who's your who's your biggest competitor? Mm-hmm. And Zuckerberg said, well, we have a lot of competitors. Said, well, who's the biggest one? He said, we overlap with a lot of different companies. It's just kind of like a round roundabout answer. Um, and then Lindsey Graham said, if I am upset with my Ford, car if they give me a defective car i can go buy a chevy mm-hmm. if i'm upset which he used two american car companies of course yeah very patriotic of him um but if i if i don't like facebook what can i go buy what's your chevy yeah well and here's the here's the thing with it here's the way i look at it uh i am fine with it being uh, a monopoly only because the purpose of the platform is to be uh, the largest social network on the planet and you can't have uh, this segmented, fragmented uh, ecosystem of mm-hmm. social medias, uh, and then have an effective one. Have a really, have a really good one. In order to have a really good one, you have to have the network effect, which is basically that you're a monopoly. Everybody's on there using your platform, and so the utility of Facebook uh, mm-hmm. is what it is because it's a monopoly. Because it's the best social platform out there that everybody uses it. Uh, and so I'm fine. I'm I'm perfectly fine uh, with Facebook. Uh, being as big as it is, because the utility that comes with it yeah. is, in my mind, uh, worth the risk of it being a monopoly. And so all that says to us is we have to pay very close attention to every move that they have, and the government needs to as well, mm-hmm. and they need to be more transparent. But how do you feel about the competitive nature of that? I mean, in technology, the, the whole the whole gist of it is innovation, you know, move yeah. fast and break things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was and- their motto for a while. Yeah, um, but so for example, let's use the example of Snapchat. Yeah, Snapchat moved fast and they made stories mm-hmm. and they broke the traditional model of social media. Not that it's gone, but they yeah. created a new model of social media of in the moment recording, not as polished, just very, yep. very personal stories. And then Facebook said that's a good idea. And because they're so big, and because they have that network effect, and because they have thousands of engineers, yeah, they built stories real quick in Instagram yeah. and have severely hurt snapchat good okay why why is that 100 fine with that why is that good? first of all they offered them billions of dollars to buy snapchat. okay that's true besides, besides the point second of all facebook made a better product 
I don't care. <laughs> okay. I really don't care. I can't argue with you there. I can't. So <laughs> Facebook is just one. Like I'm completely fine with the BM Monopoly because at the end of the day, they either buy their competitors or they build a better version and consumers win in both cases. But but do consumers win if Facebook keeps copying their competitors till all of their competitors go out of business? And then nobody starts anything new because they know they'll go out of business because Facebook will copy it. And then innovation stagnates. Do consumers win? Uh, I wouldn't. So there, there, were some argu- there were some articles and arguments I read a while back. I don't remember them too great. Uh, but the argument basically was that uh, in this economy, in this technology, technological economy where a lot of these companies are getting acquired nowadays by the big ones, Google, yeah. Amazon, Facebook. Big five. Uh, that... Innovation has not decreased. It actually might have increased because what you can do is you can look at what these companies need and where they're not, where they're falling short, mm-hmm. and build that. Yeah. Or you can build something that is outside of those platforms. And so it's like it hasn't decreased or increased necessarily. It's just coming from different. It's sources. just yeah, because either way, when when you build a company, there can't be. It's just impossible for there to be multiple Facebooks. Is it? I think I so. Mean, I think for it to be a truly effective social platform, you can't have uh, four. You might be able to have two, but I don't yeah. think you can have any more than that. Okay. You can't have I a think fragmented... there's a limit. Yeah, but I think you could have two or three. I really could. I you really can't have would. a fragmented... Well, name name three. So you got, you got, you got Google, okay. Facebook, and who else? Well, so you have Twitter and Facebook. Okay. You, I mean, obviously Instagram, that's Facebook, so let's yeah. not count that. So Google, Facebook, Twitter. Are you talking about social media States. or tech? Are you talking about tech in general or uh, social, social media? media. Social media, what's on Google? What's social media? I mean, YouTube. Okay, true. It's a big one. It's that's actually true. one of the biggest apps in the world. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I totally forgot about that. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. Yeah, I mean, that's well, what it's for right there. But Snapchat, let's say, is going down. That's the example. Well, and what here's and here's what Zuckerberg was trying to say is they all serve a different purpose, but Facebook yes. does all of them. That's the thing, and that's another big. That's another big um, point is that he named the number. He numbered that the average consumer, the average American consumer, uses eight social apps. Yeah, and then, so and then you, know, you they could, own how many? Probably they own about four of them. They own four or five. Yeah. yeah, but they compete with all the other social apps. Yeah, what they probably don't own that space, but they're yeah. trying to. So, I don't the the whole monopoly thing. That's. Listen, Twitter does something yeah, totally know. different than Facebook. Twitter's in its own good spot. Twitter's but Twitter's trying to get into streaming video. Facebook's trying to get into streaming yeah. video. But they all YouTube's have little, stream, you know? little things that are different. It's just the fact that Facebook uh, has the biggest network and they can build the most apps on top of that network. Yeah, and they they you know it's just I'm fine with them being as big as they are. I'm because f- I use all of those apps. Yeah. I use all of them. But at the end of the day, Facebook is where I go uh, for Instagram. Mm-hmm. And to see my family on Facebook, yeah, my friends are on Instagram, my family's on Facebook, and those are kind of you know the two purposes, and those are the two main reasons people are social is to keep up with their friends mm-hmm. and their family. Do you think the fact that let's use the word monopoly loosely, it, let's say it is a monopoly, yeah, because that's what the concern is. Do you think the fact that it is a monopoly impacts your rights as a user? Do you think this data came out? Because it's a monopoly and they, they had so many people, you know, speak to that. Yeah. How does that impact your privacy? Um, I mean, people opt it, it, listen, 
people opted into all of that. Yeah. The term and service, if people were genuinely concerned, mm-hmm. they could have done something. But they didn't. Yeah. And again, it becomes, here's why. Because Facebook is such a great utility, people are willing to look away from privacy and take advantage of what Facebook has given them. And that is the biggest social media network in the world and this giant communications platform. You can call people. You can text people. Yeah. You can post. You can do FaceTime. Mm-hmm. You can you know video chat. Yeah. All in one platform for free. I don't care if it's a monopoly because I can talk to people all around the world in one platform. Yeah. And if privacy you know gets violated, I opted into it. Yeah. I mean, see, I'm obviously not as strong on this side as you are, but I wouldn't necessarily say I'm on the other side either. I'm very conflicted about this because you're right. You you did opt into it. Did they deceive you in how you opted into it with a hundred page long terms of service? Maybe. Um, are they taking advantage of what you share Maybe. to connect with friends to sell it? Maybe. Yeah. Um, it's a really complicated issue and you know we were saying how concerned we were with that the government doesn't fully understand it we don't fully understand it no, uh, not many people do yeah than people who work at facebook we probably know more than than those senators about it but we don't fully understand it and so how can we opt in how can we consent to such selling such use of us as products yeah. if we don't fully understand well but maybe that's okay because i can call my I friend mean, facebook has you built know, one thing that Zuckerberg is trying to point to as much as he can is that Facebook has built these opt-in methods into the everyday interactions you do on the platform. So, for instance, every time you post something on Facebook, there's a drop-down arrow that allows you to pick who has access yeah. to that. Public, my friends, yep. just me. Yep. Yeah. Same thing with uh, all your other information. There are opt-ins associated to each of them. When you do those actions... There's a spot on there to opt in to who sees it or if you want to share it at all. Okay. What's not clear, though, say I post just me. Yeah. I, I post a, a thing that says I secretly hate the University of Kentucky Wildcats, mm. whatever. But I click just me and I publish it. Can they read that for ad targeting while I start getting Louisville ads? I don't know. I don't think that's clear. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not clear. That would be something so, in the very, that'd be in the fine print. And yeah. it would probably be written in a way you wouldn't understand that if you read it anyways. Exactly, which yeah. speaks to my point. Yeah. So the, I was talking with one of my other buddies the other day, uh, Michael Lewis, about uh, how to uh, basically create a platform where people can upload all the data uh, they have about themselves uh, in a way that makes sense to them mm-hmm. and that they can you know, have the permissions there and basically give permissions about their data and monetize their data. Um, and so it's a really interesting question. For monetize uh, their data for themselves? Yeah, so they can make money on you know their data, um, that's and that's something that's been talked about in the community for a while now. Uh, but yeah, your question is 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 interesting because uh, you know being able to control what data and understand the data, uh, I think, is something that tech needs to improve on in general. And it's 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 for me just a user experience, a user interface problem, mm-hmm. because all you got to do is create uh, a user flow for a consumer on your website. To take them through all the different ways you use their data in a really clear way, using videos, fully using it. graphics, uh, rather than fine print. You know, you can redesign terms and conditions. That's true. Just the you fact can give the summary. Yeah, you can you can have the terms and conditions, you know, in the legal, uh, you know, boring way it is. But then you can say, 
Uh, I'm a company that wants to be very clear. I want to take, take the terms and conditions and make a very uh, you know, attractive user experience out of it so I can educate people on my platform. Mm-hmm. They could do that if they wanted to. They should. I bet they will. After they this. might. They might. Yeah. And it would be really cool if they did. So the second you start you know, putting your information to Facebook, uh, a pop-up video will tell you exactly what that means, mm-hmm. which would be interesting. Yeah. And I, I think... You know, I think that the changes will happen, whether it's a video or, you know, when you open it, a, a big pop-up that has some nice pictures or whatever. Um, I think change will come yeah. on the user experience side, of course. And it's going to remain to see how much change will come on the other side. You know, Zuck kept saying, oh, I'm going to have my team follow up. Oh, we're going to submit proposed regulation, blah, blah, blah. Um and so it'll, it'll be interesting to see if any kind of material change happens. Yeah. Something well, here's, will Here's a question. Uh, back to the Monopoly thing. Yeah. Uh, you personally, could you give up Instagram? Could it, like, completely just not just use it? never use it again? Yeah. Really? Could I and would I want to is a different question. Okay. Uh, would you want to? Would I want to? No. Okay. And I think, <laughs> I think the other 400 million people that use Instagram are fine with Facebook being a monopoly for that exact reason. Because yeah. they don't want to. Yeah. And because it's such a good experience. And people, you know, what and here's another issue we can talk about another time is that people are getting addicted to it because it's such a good experience. And because Facebook is, you know, you can say I mean you could you could say they're manipulating people yeah. with the user, you know, experience and the interface. Yeah. Uh, which well, you that could, is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you could say the ads are a good user experience too. You know, yeah. it's better to have ads that you like than ads that you don't like. Yeah. So uh, I think that brings up a whole other moral question. Yeah. So the idea of social media and these tech companies in general is is something that is a continuing conversation. You could take either side. Yeah. But you know, most people, most consumers, believe it or not, are going to take the side of I'm fine with Facebook and how big it is. Yeah. You know, they're going to make mistakes, but they have provided me a service. That is so valuable to my mm-hmm. everyday life. I cannot get rid of it. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I mean, I don't think it's going down or anything like that. I just want to know if there's going to be any regulations. Yeah. That's what's interesting to see. Yeah. yeah. Facebook's not going anywhere. They. I mean, regardless of if they're monopoly or not, they're they're too big to fail on yep. the internet right now. Yeah. And too many apps use them. Too many services are interconnected. It's it's here to stay. Yep. That's for sure. That's one hundred percent. And it's not just the United States. It's oh, 2.2 no. billion people. Yeah. <laughs> 60, it's 70, everywhere. I mean, like we said on a past episode, 60, I bet at this point, about 70% of the world it's, of people that are on the internet yeah. uh, are on Facebook. It's the largest country in the world, right? Yeah. Facebook is? Yeah. That says yeah. a lot right there. Yeah. And Zuck's the president. Yeah. I've said, I always tell people, Zuckerberg's the most powerful man on the planet. He's more powerful than Trump. Yeah. <laughs>